Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Today, I had the unique pleasure of interviewing Betsy Batista and hearing her sacred story. Betsy is a storyteller and transformational guide. Her spiritual awakening happened when she was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 28 with a four-month-old baby at home. After curing herself physically, she began the longer journey of mental, emotional, and spiritual integration. She learned through this personal experience how the stories we tell ourselves impact our reality. And after learning about her human design, and if you don't know what that is, you'll find out in the episode, when she learned about it, it completely changed her life. And then Betsy wanted to give this same gift to others, the gift of rewriting our own personal narratives so that we can love ourselves more fully and authentically and feel empowered to fulfill our unique purpose in the world. Betsy is a certified human design specialist and quantum alignment practitioner, and she's also completed additional training in sacred listening and the Dona Birth Doula training program. Now let's listen in. All right. So we are here with Betsy Batista. It is such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you know this about me, but I think our listeners are going to quickly learn this about me that I like to dive deep pretty early in the conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do know that about you. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to ask if that's okay, if we just dive right in today. Totally. Awesome. Awesome. So you have a story of an illness at a young age when you had a four month old baby Mm -hmm. and that being the source of an awakening in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I imagine that this is something that, um, you know, when these big things happen to us and have happened in our lives, we process them for a long time and then we're able to talk about them. So I, I really acknowledge that you've been living with this story for a long time, but I'm wondering if you, can share for our listeners the the process of of finding out that you had cancer at the age of 28. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I'm actually coming up on five years. Uh, I just realized since um, being declared uh, cured. So that's Mm. a big milestone. Thank you. Um, But yeah, we, um, I had a baby and three months later, um, I traveled to New York to visit with my husband's family and let them meet the baby. And, you know, babies have notoriously terrible head control. So she swung her head around and kind of whacked me in the face. And I got this bump over my eye that just didn't go away for like a month. And I just figured, you know, it's this swelling and it'll go down. And people kept bugging me until I went to see a doctor and they took a look at it and at first they thought maybe it was just a cyst, but that it might need to be surgically removed if it wasn't going away on its own. And so they sent me for a scan and everyone was pretty surprised to discover that I actually had a tumor growing um, in the space where your third eye is kind of between my, between my two eyes. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll never forget the day that I got the call uh, because it was the day, literally the day that I came back from maternity leave. <laughs> and I was driving home in the middle of my workday to nurse my baby. And I get a call from the doctor 
And he just very mechanically said, you have a tumor and it looks like cancer. Wow. And I'll never forget. I'm like, you know, he really should have asked me like, where are you? Are you sitting are down? You yeah. Do you, are you in a space to, to speak right now? Cause uh. I mean, luckily I had just like gotten off at the highway at the exit and I was like two minutes from my house. Wow. But if I had been like, like I really, I hung up the phone and I just had to keep it together for like the two. I was like, I just have to get home safely. And I'm like, trying to breathe and my head is spinning. And I remember pulling into the driveway and just completely falling apart. Yeah. Um, and I came in the house where my mother had been watching my baby while I was at work and I'm crying hysterically and she can't understand a word I'm saying. And I remember her telling me at the time that she thought that I was crying because I had gotten into an accident or something and she was irritated or I don't know. She was trying to figure out what happened. And then when I told her, I have cancer. She was like, I really wished you had gotten in a car accident. Right. Um, which I don't, she didn't mean it like that, but you sure. know, comparatively yeah. speaking. Comparatively. So it was, um, it, those aren't really words that you ever think someone's going to say to you, you have cancer. Um, and especially at that young age, I was 28. My baby was four months old. I remember just staring at her on the floor and just crying and saying, she's only four months old. She's only four months old. And, you know, imagine to myself, like I refused, I was like, I refuse to miss my baby's whole life. Like she will not have a life without a mother. And this resolve just came over me where it was like dying wasn't an option. Like I didn't care what the diagnosis was. I didn't care what the prognosis was. I knew that like I was doing this. So how long between your standing telling your mother and that revelation that it's just not going to happen, I'm not going to die? I don't think it was very long, if I'm yeah, honest. No. <laughs> like, I think it couldn't have been more than five minutes. Like, okay, literally. I mean, I was kind of outside of space and time, if I'm honest. Like, I think the second I got the call and he said those words, like, I guess it is kind of like those moments in the movies where like everything gets blurry and you just kind of go into a vortex where it's like, it feels like you're in an alternate reality. Yeah. And then it ended up being a really long diagnosis process for me because it didn't, it didn't, it looked like I had, I guess, a really scary kind of cancer. I didn't end up having, I had lymphoma, which turns out to be highly treatable with chemotherapy. They've developed a specific drug that really targets it because they've been studying this specific type of cancer for like 40 years or something crazy. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it was a long, it was like over a month and this was, I was at Mayo clinic. Like they have some of the best diagnosticians in the country and they couldn't figure out what I had. And so it was this month of limbo of um, like not knowing first, they didn't know if it was benign or malignant. And then they knew it was malignant, but didn't know what kind. And I really like, it was actually that month was kind of a gift in some ways, because first of all, it was a continual process of surrender and trust of just like, whatever it is, we're going to handle it. And it also gave me a chance to start developing my own path to healing without like concrete, like Western medicine telling me it's this, do that. Right. So from like the moment the, first doctor said, it's a tumor and it looks like cancer. I started pursuing a ton of different modalities of holistic healing. So so I want to pause you right there. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I want to pause you before we talk about the healing. I want to go back to something that you said at the very beginning was your baby daughter bonked your head with your head. Yep. And then this bump shows up and yep. that reveals to you that you have cancer yep. because otherwise like you were feel, I mean, you had a three month old baby. So you had just gone through your body had gone through a process, Totally. but, but did you have any other clues or no. what do you think Betsy about that, that series of events? Uh, it was, divine, it was divinely orchestrated that yeah. baby knew that baby knew. Yeah. The baby was like, mama, wake up. Yep. 100%. She's my little wake up fairy. Wow. 100%. And she, because it was funny. Well, it's not, none of this is really funny, but it was funny because um, 
when I first went and they were doing the biopsies and trying to diagnose me, all of the doctors I met would ask me, they were like, so what symptoms are you experiencing? And I said, none. And they said, what do you mean? And I told them the story of my daughter hitting me in the face and that that being how I found it. And their jaws would just drop to the floor and they, without fail, would look at me and say, you are so lucky. Because when they found it, it was staged, it was completely localized to this one area. Um, And they told me, they were like, you, it would have been a little while before you would have started experiencing symptoms and then it would have been harder to treat. So this is where stories of faith or the question of like, are we going to have faith or not? You know, I'm just like, listen to Betsy's story (laughs) about how her baby woke her up to the fact that she had cancer before it had spread through her head. You know, this is divine. Totally. And I mean, there are lots of different ways that people experience cancer and people have different stories with it. For me personally, this was an extremely weird presentation of lymphoma. It's why it took them so long to diagnose me because it didn't look like lymphoma. It wasn't in, it was extranodal, which means it's outside the lymph nodes in an area where lymphoma shouldn't be. I mean, it was literally in my third eye. Like who gets a tumor in their third eye? Right. Talk about a wake up call. It was like, you are not seeing clearly. You are not connected to the source of your gifts, the source of your power, the connection to the truth of who you are and what you're here to do, wake up. Okay. So where in the process did you realize that? I mean, you're 28 years old. Did you, were, were you like, oh, this is in my third eye. This is a wake up call. At the time I was like, holy shit, I have cancer. I need to not die. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I think when I, yeah, when I, when I look back on it, it was like, I feel like there have been a few distinct phases for me in this process. The first is I, I had to go through the physical healing first. Um, because if I didn't heal my body, I wouldn't have been around to do the rest of the work. Right. Um, and so the physical healing was the first part. And that was a phase of about four to five months. Um, and then after that came the time where I, you know, now that I, my, I wasn't physically, wasn't, I wasn't physically unsafe anymore. You know, yeah. um, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that, right? I was just going to say that, right? Yeah. Like it, you need to be physically safe mm-hmm. before you can focus on other things. Yeah. And then it was like, I began the process of, you know, emotional, mental, spiritual integration. And I think it's when we start reflecting on experiences. Um, I think it's hard to see the big picture when you're really in something. I agree. I think that once you start to get perspective on it, that's when the real healing and journey of growth and expansion begins. Yeah, Um, I totally agree. And it can be that you, like you're recognizing, oh, I'm in an initiation. This is not fun. Yeah. 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 But the um, lessons take a while to integrate. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I think I'm five years out now, and I still, every day, am recognizing more and more of what, how divine that experience was and where it's led me to. And I've reached a point, which I think it's the mark of true healing from something when you can look back and be grateful for no matter how the hard the experience was, because whatever it was, it got you to where you are now. Like I wouldn't be the person I am without this experience. I just wouldn't. Right. Yeah. I totally get that. Like my story, which I share with listeners in episode one is that I had a baby and didn't get to raise that baby. You know, she was adopted. And so looking back, everything after it was divine. And it like, it was the path of awakening, even though it was hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So yes, there's gift in it. And, and I don't think that we live a soulful life and get out of that. Like we just don't. And so I really want to hear, or I'm sorry, I want to lift up for listeners that, you know, when you are in these absolutely, these situations that feel impossible, trusting that there is divinity in it also. Yep. You know, trusting that there is an awakening that is happening. And, and your story, Betsy, is like the awakening can look really hellish. Yeah. And I think that part of what these experiences teach us is like when we're pushed up against a wall, who are we? 
And what do we choose to do? And what do we become? Like the way that I chose to go through the healing process, um, people look at me now and they're like, I can't believe you did all that. And for me, I wasn't thinking about it. I was just like, this is what I need to do. And here's how I'm going to do it. And I was just going about it the way that I felt called. Like I, I really kind of found a middle road of healing um, where when I was waiting on my diagnosis, I, you know, I went and worked with a, um, a man who's professionally works with children actually in pediatric biofeedback and hypnosis. Um, and I had him teach me how to use visualization and self-hypnosis for my own healing. I went to acupuncture and acupressure. I went and saw an energy healer. I was utilizing all these different modalities. And I remember when they came back with the diagnosis and they were recommending chemotherapy, I was kind of devastated because in my mind, I had always decided, you know, if I ever faced this, I would never go that route. Right. Yes. Right. And, but they told me it was like, there was this one specific drug where they were like, this drug targets the exact kind of cancer cells you have. It is almost guaranteed that you are going to make a full and complete recovery. And I remember going to my acupuncturist and asking her, I was like, have you ever, cause I knew she had treated people with breast cancer with acupuncture alone. And so I asked her, I said, you know, you've done this before. Would you, looking at what I have, would you be able to treat me with just holistic medicine? And she paused and she looked me in the eye and she said, with the, with the type of cancer you have and the outcome they're giving you, I would tell you to do the chemo. Keep come seeing me, yeah. but do the chemo. It's too good of an outcome. And yeah. I was like, all right, if she's going to tell me that, you know, I trust her. And I ended up creating this again, this really mixed modality. I did the chemo, but I did, you know, Reiki on every single bag of drugs they gave me. I visualized the whole time. And it was really cool, Sarah, because I think a lot of times when we meditate and visualize, we don't actually get like, quote unquote, proof that anything is happening. Right. Like we're not seeing tangible results to the extent that we want all the time. And it can be easy to get discouraged and be like, oh, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. But what was cool about my experience was I was having blood work done every week. I was having oh, testing wow. done. And so I got to see in real time the difference between like when I was doing my visualizations and I was doing my, you know, holistic methods of treatment, my white counts did not drop. When I got tired and when I slacked off a little and I was like, I just, I, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to do it right now. I would become neutropenic and I, my white counts would drop. I did a ton of protections around like, um, my reproductive fertility I did. Uh, and clearly, I mean, I have a second baby, so, you know, yeah, that worked, yeah. um, that worked. I actually ended up usually going into chemo throws you into kind of early menopause type sy- symptoms. Like your body really shuts down and sends all of its life force energy to heal. Right. Yes. And I had not had a cycle since having my daughter cause I was breastfeeding. And so, you know, when I went into chemotherapy, I still wasn't having my period. And actually I had done a ton of visualizations around protecting my reproductive organs. And on my fourth out of six cycles of chemotherapy, I got my period back. Wow. And I told my doctor and he was like, that's unheard of. Wow. Yeah. Powerful. Powerful. Like things like that, where it was like, I really could see and feel the power that we have to work with our bodies to to energetically and spiritually connect to something greater within ourselves and to engineer our own healing in our own way that works for us. I mean, the way that works for me isn't going to be exactly what works for other people, but it was a profound mode of healing. And um, a lot of people look at me, you know, retroactively and were like, you did that so gracefully. And I don't think it felt super graceful at the time. I was just doing everything I knew to do. Again, I had what you were called to do. Yeah. Yeah. And what was instinctive for me and intuitive. And again, I had, you know, I had a, little baby. Like I had the best motivation in the world to be a hundred percent on point with everything. I changed my diet completely, just everything. Yeah. And I really want to lift up that a couple of things, like you are, we are regular women, right? Like we, <laughs> yes. are, we are regular women and we are not, um, at the time, I, I don't know what your training was in Reiki or positive affirmations. Oh, nothing. Nothing, right? <laughs> nothing. Yeah. You're just like, okay, this, I, I'm just going to do it. It was your intuition and you were trusting you. Yeah. And, and 
I will just share like the visualization, the visualization piece was, I think one of the most powerful things for me in this process for me personally, I had one session with this trained, you know, expert hypnotherapist where he kind of took me through and talked me through it. And then I kept writing him and being like, can I have more sessions with you? And he was like, well, why don't you just use, take what we did and make it your own. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, uh, okay. And that's what I did with everything. Right. I just went on instinct and it's like, we have more wisdom and more knowing inside than we give ourselves credit for. I had all the answers and you know, the more that we start looking inside for the answers instead of outside and don't get me wrong. I clearly took the advice of, you know, physicians and scientists. I wasn't like, you know, both and yeah, it was both. And, and I knew that I had certain wisdom um, and it was actually a little crazy making sometimes. Cause, um, if I had an inpatient hospital stay, it, it, I was acutely aware that the Western medical system tends to focus on illness instead of wellness. And I think women experience this a lot in healthcare where it's like, I just knew certain things about my body and I was advocating for myself and it was hard. Like people wouldn't necessarily listen to me. Um, I was like, I know that like test, give me like test my blood. I know that my levels are at this point and they wouldn't do it. Right. And then of course, eventually when they did, it was exactly what I said. Right. Um, it's like a feat of strength to stand up for yourself in some moments. Yeah. And I think for yes. women in particular, yes, um, I agree. but yeah, again, it's just that knowingness, um, to do what we know to do and to right. trust that we have more wisdom than we give ourselves credit for right. in most circumstances. We're in most circumstances. And I think it really does come online in those situations where, you know, you're giving birth or life yes. is at risk or, you know, it's a big deal and you yeah. like this make it or break it. And, and some, sometime I've experienced it myself. That's when we're going to fall back onto our own trust. And that's the sacred yeah. remembering piece is that sometimes through these awakenings, we learn that, oh my gosh, it was me that I was counting on all along. Yeah. Yeah. Like the answers are inside, but we're not isolating ourselves and saying, oh, I've got all the answers. Like you look sensibly to the professionals, um, other people with their wisdom to the elders that you trust, you know, to your community and say, what do you see? But then ultimately you're making your decisions. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and I think that in situations like this, like for me, I look back and I'm like, part of what this taught me was I was way more capable than I knew. And I think we all are. We all are. Betsy, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and hear all about how you've alchemized this into your life right now. Sounds good. Hey, all. I hope that you're enjoying this episode with badass Betsy Batista. I love about Betsy how grounded she is while she's bringing forward some major truth bombs. Thank you so much, Betsy. So if you're enjoying what you're hearing, I'm going to also encourage you to hop on over to sarahpoet.com because I've been working on a few things for you sacred women, and I want to tell you about them. The Sacred Remembering ebook to get you started on this path of embodied sacred remembering is over there. An e-course for moving from your silence into your sacred truth, really rich information in there, is now up. And the 2020 Sacred Truth Mastermind group information is there. The registration for the 2020 Mastermind has not quite opened. So if all of this is sparking and you are a modern woman who is waking up to the truth of who you are, and 2020 is your time to embody it, then head on over and get on the waiting list because there's still time to get the information when it drops. Now back to Betsy. Okay. We are back with Betsy Batista and yeah. So let's fast forward sister and talk about your superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) They've alchemized because clearly you were a badass at, at 28 and I'm sure far before that. But so, you know, I wonder if something that happened at that time and I, I and maybe that's human design, I don't know the answer, but what was, um, what parts of that healing journey or that spiritual exploration led you toward what you're doing right now? What stands out for you? Yeah. So about a year after I 
had, you know, been declared in remission and all that, I ended up entering into a, um, a sacred circle, um, a year long training in sacred listening here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, under the guidance of, uh, a medicine man endowed with Lakota teachings. Um, and for a year we sat in circle once a month and, um, I was just called to that circle. I didn't know why I didn't even really know what it was. And it's kind of hard to describe honestly, as I think a lot of kind of healing, uh, circles like that are, um, but that was kind of the first step for me in reclaiming more of my big sacred self, I guess, and starting to really do the spiritual integration from that experience. And I think that was really when I looked back and said, wow, I had a tumor in my third eye, wow. you know? Okay. Um, and through the support of some really powerful medicine people to really go through the grieving process and to look back before that experience at my life and the ways I've been out of alignment and out of integrity mm-hmm. and really find forgiveness for myself, for other people in my life and to take responsibility for where I had been wrong and also to take responsibility for where I hadn't been showing up. Um, yeah. Wow. That's yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know. And like, I think take it all on. <laughs> uh, well, you said we we're going to go deep, uh, <laughs> yes, but please. you know what? And I, I think that was the first time I I had some circumstances, like I had some big struggles in my relationship and I did, you know, before I even had cancer and then cancer added, you know, an extra layer of pressure onto that. Um, But I think that I really had to take responsibility for the part I played a big part in the struggles we were having and the ways I wasn't being a fair or as good a partner as I should have been. And I just, I I just knew my life wasn't working the way it was. And I had been through this cancer journey and I didn't, I didn't know what the point was yet, you know? And I just felt, I was like, something needs to change. And I didn't know what, and I think that that year long program of just being willing to step up and look in the mirror and just acknowledge like the biggest crap and <laughs> the biggest like yeah. darkest parts of myself like those shadow parts the shadow parts the big shadow parts and we all have them and it's just like we have to be willing to step up and look in the mirror if we ever want change yes and Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. yeah yeah and it's easy to point fingers outside of ourselves but until we do the internal work of looking at where was i complicit you know what did i do to create my circumstances um not a whole lot of shift happens. And then when you do that, then you can also start to untangle. This was mine. This was not mine, you know, and that's where you can learn to start setting boundaries. Um, when you've identified that something is or isn't yours. Uh, right. Thank you. So I want to point out so often, I think as women, when we start to recognize what's been lost, we first get defensive. I definitely had a totally. time of like first getting defensive. Yeah. Um, and then that's where a lot of the finger pointing comes in. But I, yeah. I really want to lift up the wisdom in what you just said is that first you went in, mm-hmm. owned your stuff, and then you created the boundaries. And so I imagine that that felt way less defensive. It was just kind of like, it needed to happen. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, I think that I had been defending myself a lot. Um, you know, oh, well, I was being this way because of X, Y, or Z, or that's not me. That's the circumstance. And I yes. think I can tell you like when you face it and you own it, and then you release the hold that it has over you, it's the biggest relief in the whole world. It really like, it is a cracking open. It was like, I had the cracking open through the cancer and then I had a new cracking open through this sacred work. And from that, I was able to rebuild from a strong place. Um, and I think it set my husband and I up for, to build a better and a new foundation with each other. But I think, you know, I, I think that people think they have this one moment of healing and then everything is better from there. And what I have learned is to quote Shrek, it's like an onion, (laughs) you know, (laughs) totally it's layered. And, um, like even that, it was like, I had the layer of healing that came from the cancer. And then I had a huge layer of healing that came from the sacred work a year later. And then a couple of years passed and I was, you know, integrating and using that, the new sacred knowledge that I had learned in that year, but I hadn't fully 
there were still parts of my full self that I wasn't owning um, and ways in which I was shrinking and staying small out of fear. Um, and that next reckoning really came about a year, year and a half ago um, where just external, there were a lot of external circumstances where like in our, you know, finances, in our home and our, just a lot of things, things felt like they were kind of falling apart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, I was invited to attend a, a leadership training where I dove into my human design chart. Yes. Human design. And I want to just say for our listeners that this is what you now offer um, forward in the world. So this was life-changing. This is completely life-changing. Yeah. Okay. For me. Following the path here. You're totally. Yes. Okay. So I'm, I'm offered this gift of this leadership training because um, they could see that I was just really in a rough spot and So I showed up, I started looking at my chart. I started digging into my design, into who I am, my blueprint of who I am, how I'm going to operate and into my life purpose. And I really, it was just one of those moments where it was like, it was just really revelatory. It was like, I looked at this chart and I could see so clearly who I was reflected back to me. And not just that, but the beauty of who I was and the gift Mm. of who I was. And in seeing that, I could hear distinctly the voices in my head telling me stories about all the ways that this part of me or that part of me was wrong or should be a different way or wasn't okay. And I was able to separate out those voices, the old stories stories from the truth of who I was sitting in front of me and the beauty I could see in it. And it was like for the first time, maybe in my adult life. Yeah. I just gave myself permission to be me. Wow. In all of me, in the parts of me that maybe have challenges and the parts of me that are such a huge gift. And it was life-changing. And I, it's the reason that I decided to study it because I was like, I need to give other people need to have this gift. Other people need to know that who they are is perfect. And that all of the parts all the voices in their head that are telling them they're bad or wrong or not okay or should be different aren't actually them. Right. Yeah. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about like what is human design for yeah. those that have never heard of it before. And then Absolutely. I had a reading with Betsy that I, I'll share some of what <laughs> the stories that were revealed. But yeah, so tell us what human design is. Yes. Yeah. So human design is a synthesis of Western astrology the Kabbalah, the uh, Hindu chakra system, the Chinese I Ching, and quantum physics. And you run a chart kind of similar to how you would in astrology, where you take someone's birth information and synthesize a chart out of that. But um, unlike astrology, where it can sometimes feel like a little bit of a predictive tool, human design is more like an energy blueprint. It teaches you about how your energy is designed to work in the world, what your strategy is for making decisions, what your energy needs are in different ways, what some of maybe your learning challenges might be. It's a guide to your life purpose. It's a guide to how you might operate in relationship. Um, it talks through, it, it reveals some of maybe the significant life cycles that you're going to go through uh, at significant ages and you know what some of your challenges and blessings might be in those ways. Um, and for me, I think... Um, it's it's essentially a cross-cultural system of archetypes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Um, and it's beautifully complex and yet beautifully simple at the same time in my personal experience. And I love that it is just a guide for how we use our energy and how to align with our purpose and um, how to maybe move from some of our challenging energetic experiences into how we can use those more as gifts. Yes. Beautiful. So yeah, it's like astrology where you could learn about it forever. Yes. And you know, there's like, uh, there's a place to start. So can I share a little bit about my, Please do. yeah. So I had a reading with Betsy, um, earlier this year and it really did illuminate 
how some core beliefs about myself. I was doing some ancestral work at the time. Um, and my, my closest ancestors, uh, there's a lot of poverty in the lines, um, a lot of like mountain, like, you know, deep poverty. And so I had been sort of programmed in this lifetime um, into this lack um, consciousness and had assumed that I would always struggle to mm. make the living that I wanted to make mm. just continually. Like it was always going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And then there's like this part in my chart that's like, actually, no, that's mm-hmm. not even true. And hearing you say to me, actually, that's not even true about you. Just eliminated. <laughs> that that was just a story that I tell myself, Mm -hmm. um, which is amazing. But the other thing that was so, oh my gosh, you would be so proud of me, Betsy. (laughs) Um, So I learned that I was um, going through life from a very early age, um, trying to make things happen, right? As Mm -hmm. many of us are. And that in the human design is the generator um, Mm -hmm. type. And I am not a generator. And so I learned about my type, which is projector. But then I also learned about the, um, like the emotional guidance. Mm -hmm. What's that called? That part? Emotional wave. The emotional wave and how um, I'm guided by emotions, but I have to wait out the wave. Mm-hmm. And yeah, recently there have been a lot of changes in my life and I've been watching myself on the wave, Betsy. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm just on the wave, you know, I'm just having this, this flood of emotions come in about this because this is a new energy and yeah. then I'm waiting for it to acclimate. Um, it's really, really fascinating. So I just got chills that knowledge from the session actually changes like the way I navigate human relationships, the way I navigate yeah. business, the way I navigate marketing. Yeah. Um, and I will say that like this podcast and the sacred remembering all of the things that want to happen under this name actually landed in after our call. I never put that together before. Wow. Um, but yeah, that, that was all coming forward or trying to come forward. And I really had to get out of the way um, and allow the sacred work to come in, but it didn't happen until I was working in more accordance with my design. I'm sure that I could keep going. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was really like a gate opener. I as love well. that. Yeah. I love that. And I think you said a couple of things that I just love that I have found to be true when I talk to people about their design, which is, first of all, awareness is so key. I think that when we start having awareness of our patterns and of how we've been operating and of what else is possible, it just creates the opening for real shift and change. Right. I think that, yeah. I'm sorry, but even when we want to change, so often we're repeating a story of what's not working. Yes. 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 And I think, I mean, that's what happened for me when I learned about my chart was I recognize all these old stories that I've been telling myself about who I am and what I'm capable of. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's not even me. That's all these people. And I even, I knew whose voices they were and identifying whose voices they were also helped me shift those relationships. Like there were a couple of relationships after that, that I had to go to and be like, I can't show up the way you want me to show up just because, you know? And it shifted those whole relationships and allowed me to show up more authentically with the people in my life too. And I don't think we give enough credit to the way that the stories we tell ourselves give direction to our life. Yes. And that, you know, they say it's all in how you look at it, right? If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Mm -hmm. And if you start truly, actually, genuinely deep in your bones believing that something that is possible that you once thought was impossible, I guarantee that things are going to start showing up for you completely different. If you start believing in your authentic self and in the gifts and power that you carry, you're going to start showing up differently and everyone around you is going to respond. And yeah, a lot of what the human design chart also illuminates are places where we've kind of received conditioning from our family of origin, from our culture, from all kinds of different places where, you know, we're open to receiving energies 
outside of ourselves and it's easy to take those in and think they're ours and they're not. And, um, so when we start recognizing like, Oh, it's not that, you know, they don't love me or I'm inherently unlovable. It's just that I'm, you know, have this open identity center and, and, you know, lovability is a a learning and a lesson for me in this lifetime. Or, you know, I, I, notice that I'm struggling to try to prove myself all the time. Well, that's not me. That's my open will center, you know, that's, and so, or, you know, like I remember when I found out what my family's charts looked like and I saw my mother's and I was like, Oh my God, this, 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 and this, I've been running this energy in my whole life. Mm, that I'm taking, so much, yeah, totally. Like I've been taking on, you know, this or that or the other thing. And for my father and my, even my siblings, like my sister is a projector and she was raised in a family of generators who have all of this extra energy in her whole life. She's been more of a workhorse than we have. And it's just because she's been taking in and amplifying all of her energy and been taught and conditioned that that's how she's supposed to be. And it's not. And right. so I think that the more we can align with how our energy is meant to work, the healthier we'll be, the more we have to offer And right now in the world, people really need to be in alignment. I think that a lot of what's happening in the world that's out of alignment is because people are out of alignment with their hearts and with their true selves. And their divine gifts. And their divine gifts. I remember listening to Brene Brown's newest book, Braving the Wilderness, um, and her talking about, you know, the process of dehumanization and why it takes place. And it's because we're hardwired to care. We're hardwired to be compassionate, empathic, empathetic people. And in order, you know, if we want to do something that's out of alignment with that, we have to find a way to justify it in our heads. And so we do things that disconnect us from our humanity or tell stories that disconnect us from that humanity. And it's like, we need to get back in touch with that humanity within ourselves, with the truth of who we are, because we need everybody standing up in our gifts to to bring about the change that's being called for right now on the planet. Absolutely. So let me ask you a question because, um, you know, I've, I've heard this said a few times recently and I'm wondering how this fits into human design and for women listening who, you know, might be on the verge of making a decision or the decision that the questioning is in the back of their mind or something Mm -hmm. like that. So this notion that, if we can dream it, like if it is in our consciousness at all, mm-hmm. then we can do it. We can have it. We can be it. It is our truth just because it's in our consciousness. What do you think about that? I think that, so that's an interesting thing because I think that um, one of the things that is so key for so many people, and I think you had this too, in learning about human design is learning about how much right timing plays in to life and into us fulfilling what we're here to do and doing the right work and meeting with the recognition and the success that we're looking for. So on the one hand, I think you're a thousand percent right. And I think that we have to be able to see it and dream it before we can do it. Like we wouldn't have made it to the moon if someone hadn't been like, you know what? I think we should go to the moon. And everyone called them crazy. Right. Right. And now look, but they had to dream it first cured your cancer. Exactly. I had to know it was possible. And so I think, um, there are some, there are some energy configurations where it's like, you can have an internal creative inspiration and just go do it. There is one type, uh, the manifestor type that is designed to operate that way. Uh, they are only 8% of the population. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. the majority of us aren't necessarily meant to just have an inspiration and then go do it. Mm-hmm. We're meant to, and I would venture to say that none of us are because even the manifestors, they have an internal creative flow, but they're constantly responding to their environment as well in terms of figuring right. out what works and what doesn't. And so there is this element of responding that is innately built into our design where it's like, whether we have an inspiration and then wait to see what shows up in our outer environment or where an invitation might come, you know, for you as a projector or you know, waiting for other, for the reflector type, you know, waiting a full lunar cycle before making a decision, you know, there's an element of responding 
and then trust and faith in the flow of divine timing. The flow. Yeah. Right. In order for that to become a reality. And what I have learned from my experience is that when I learn to follow my strategy and when I follow the way my energy is designed to work, life is magical. Like Mm. it really is. It's like, Something will show up and then it will lead me to this thing, which leads me to that thing, which leads me to another thing that I never could have imagined, but is the perfect thing that I've actually been dreaming of. That was what was living inside that original thought or inspiration, but I hadn't even thought of it expressing itself that way, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's total serendipity. And I think if we find the space within ourselves to believe that's possible, first of all, do you believe in magic? Do you expect miracles? These are these are intentions yes, I'm walking with, into, <laughs> right? These are intentions I'm walking with into 2020. I believe yeah. in magic. I expect mm-hmm. miracles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at this point, at this time on the planet, we have to, yeah. if we believe that we can do what we showed up here to do. And I think, I think that women for centuries have been through so much and I think have been really conditioned to not trust our intuition, to not trust our faith, to not trust in our innate connection to that divine flow because we're built that way. Yes. We're we are built that way. Built that way. I mean, physiologically yeah. we're built that way. And I think that the more we can tap back into that connection that lives within us, and trust our intuition, trust our wisdom and trust our knowingness and then believe that it will unfold outside of us exactly as it's supposed to. Yeah. That's the magic. That's the magic. Amazing. Betsy, thank you so much. I want our listeners to hear where they can find you. Yeah. So and social Absolutely. So I have um, a website, BetsyBatista.com, and you can go there if you're interested in a human design reading. There is a little schedule button right at the top. You can book right online. Um, And I'll run your chart for you. And an appointment with me includes includes your chart, an introductory report of how to kind of read and understand it. And then um, I also will record our live session and send you the recording afterwards. So you have it for reference. And I do offer a, a written report as well. That's, mm-hmm. re- that's reasonably detailed. So you get, so you get quite a bit. Yeah. You get quite a bit, um, out of that reading. And then, um, Amazing. y'all, I totally want to encourage you to do that. <laughs> yeah. So much, you know, time and money. So well spent. Thank um, you. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's just amazing for me to watch when people come out of it with, just more love for themselves with the conviction to rewrite their stories. And I've actually started offering um, month long packages as well, because I found that people, when they get out of, you know, the first hour, hour and a half, and they're all inspired, but then they don't know what to do with that. It's a little bit of a process. Yeah, totally. And Uh so I offer kind of a month long package um, with like weekly sessions. Uh, It's kind of a mix of human design and coaching. And then I also utilize um, EFT, the energy, uh, energy, emotional freedom technique to help, you know, move through some of those stuck or blocked places, because, you know, a lot of times starting to look at your design can really bring up or illuminate Mm -hmm. some places and some painful stories that we've been stuck in for a really long time. And, you know, it can take, I think that using, um, EFT through the quantum alignment system, uh, which I'm trained in, that's a synthesis of EFT with human design and subtle body therapies, it just helps to move that energy I, I've found in a way faster period of time yes. than it would take to kind of sit and go through your own processing uh, on your own. Right. So, yeah. So a month-long opportunity for a deep transformation. Definitely. And energy so, and rewriting story. Absolutely. And I think that, especially as women, I mean, as I've gone through this process, I can't tell you how many old stories I've come up on of honestly really painful past experiences. And again, those ways that we're taught or conditioned to not trust ourselves or to be fearful. I think there's so much fear that women carry, you know, Mm -hmm. and physiologically, you talk about this a lot, you know, about Mm -hmm. moving through trauma responses and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So this can help, you know, with that as well. Beautiful. Okay. So BetsyBatista.com and any, any other links? 
Um, I have a Facebook page and an Instagram um, called Living Into Human Design. And I kind of share on there uh, encouragement. I also share stories of how I see human design kind of playing out in day-to-day life. Um, so it's kind of storytelling, social media, as it were. Mm-hmm. Lots um, of education there, too. Yeah. So, but I just love to connect with people. If anyone is curious, you know, feel free to send me an email. You can contact me through my website as well. Um, and I just, I just am really passionate about empowering people and helping people move through periods of transition, move through periods of big change or areas of struggle and to, to recognize for themselves how there's a purpose in the struggle. There is a reason we're not in the human design chart, there is no suffering. There is no hate. There is struggle for the purpose of evolution and for growth and transformation. Yeah. And it's all about learning what's truly valuable and meaningful and what's worth fighting for. Um, mm. And so I just love helping people see maybe how their struggles have been a catalyst for their own growth or an initiation for themselves, help them identify what they're growing into and really move through the painful stuck places of the story to really catalyze the healing and transformation that's meant to come from it. Because just from my experience and from what I know from other people, you know, that's what these experiences are here to do. They're here to teach us and initiate us into something greater. Yeah. So beautiful. That is such a beautiful place to end. Betsy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. you Your work in the world. And clearly you are walking the same the same walk that you are talking about. Um, so just thank you for leading by example. Well, thank you. And right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks lady. All right. Hey, it's Sarah. I really believe that every woman has a truth that she's not yet telling and that this is affecting her entire life. That's why I've created a women's mastermind beginning in early January of 2020. What sacred truth are you ready to embody this year? Visit sarahpoet.com now and sign up for more information on this mastermind. I will be teaching, leading, and together we will be co-creating a transformational experience where every woman in this sacred circle will rise into the embodied truth of who she is. This is potent. If you can feel it and 2020 is your year to really embody your true essence, then please visit sarahpoet.com and get on the waiting list now. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.